Well, brethren, obviously the best subject in the world to consider is the Lord Jesus Christ. The second best subject, and depending on how you look at it, it's a close fight, is the Word of God itself. Because if it were not for the Word of God, we would not know Jesus Christ. We look out here and we can see, the Bible tells us, that God is all-powerful, that He created things, but it doesn't tell us about where the sin came from we see in this world. It doesn't tell us about the sin that dwells within us and the solution for it. That comes from the Word of God. So I'd like us to turn to Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm in Scripture that talks about the Word of God. And consider a few things briefly this morning about the importance of the Word of God. If you turn to Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72. Let me read them to you and then comment briefly on it. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according unto thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Amen. Amen. It starts off talking about the Lord, how well he is, he dealt, he deals with his servants. Brethren, the Lord does all things well, doesn't he? Would you want to look at the providence of God in your life? His rule over all the affairs of your life? Or whether you want to look at grace? For the child of God, he is very good. Psalm 145.9 would tell us that God, the Lord is good to all and is tender, get that, tender mercies or over all his works. That's talking about providence. You want to talk about grace? Hope you don't mind if I repeat myself from Wednesday night. Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7 would tell us, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Is that good? Is that good to think about an eternity where God's whole purpose and aim is to show us his goodness, to show us his kindness through Jesus Christ? We have a very kind and benevolent master, don't we? But what are we like? We, on the other hand, we're damnable sinners, brethren. That If we read just a few verses before where I was in Ephesians 2, we would find out that 
and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the court, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Boy, does that not magnify what we read before about what wonderful grace it is that takes us from that damnable state and makes us his children. Brethren, even with grace, we're at best unprofitable servants. We find out in Luke 17, 10. And brethren, before we move forward, just think one second with me what I said introducing this. Would you know any of this without the word of God? How precious this book should be to us. Because it tells us these things. It explains where we came from. It explains where we're going. It explains how we can best please that loving, kind, and merciful Father in heaven. Verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe thy commandments. You know, at that regathering of the the nation over in the book of Nehemiah and that great celebration of the preaching of God's word, the priests and the Levites, they acknowledged that God had given them good laws. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven and gavest them right judgments, true laws, good statutes and commandments. The Lord's always been good to us, brethren. But brethren, how much better is he to us Because Paul tells us in Colossians 2.3 that all the treasures of wisdom are hid where? In Jesus Christ. And again, we only know of him through scripture. Only because he's revealed it to us. Young man, do you want to cleanse yourself from all unrighteousness? Do you want to cleanse your way in life? Well, the beginning of this psalm would tell us in verse 9 of Psalm 119, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. Here's where we should come for knowledge and instruction in righteousness, in what we should do in life, to God's word. Verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. You know, Scripture, you can tell, is God's word. It's a divine revelation because any work of man would not show all the flaws, the faults, the folly of mankind, would it? Over in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 15, what does Moses tell us about Israel under the blessing of God? Jeshuan waxed fat and kicked. Prosperity has never been anything, unfortunately, for us. That's how depraved we are, isn't it? Prosperity never is a good thing for us because we will take advantage of it. We will forget the Lord. We'll wax fat and kick. Consider, brethren, the great blessing, again, recorded in Scripture, that it tells us these things. It reminds us of what we are, where we came from, and where we need to be going. As David, we need to consider the benefits of chastisement here. Our brother Paul told us in Hebrews chapter 10, 
verses 12, I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, verses 10 through 11. For they verily, speaking of our fathers in the flesh, in the chastisement they did upon us, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, speaking of God for our prophet, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. Do you want the fruit of righteousness in your life? Then you should look forward to chastisement from the Lord because he's taking you, he's correcting you. He's helping you to get out of the wrong path and get into the right path. Because of this, David could then say in verse 68, Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The Lord is good, and his goodness is reflected in all his actions. David would also tell us in Psalm 86, 5, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. Isn't that wonderful, Lord? Isn't that wonderful, brethren, to know that in our sins the Lord is ready to forgive us? And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon him. Psalm 145. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. The Lord is good, brethren, and that's why he chastens us. That's why he teaches us and instructs us is because he's good. Now we get a contrast in the next verse. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. You know, whether it was the Jews against our brother Paul or the religious leaders against Jesus himself, the proud and wicked were unable, who were unable to resist the truth, resort to lies. Remember, at the trial of Jesus, they brought forth witnesses but they couldn't even agree with themselves to lie. The Apostle Paul standing on trial for his life, that same thing. So brethren, when we have these things come, come in our lives, it shouldn't surprise us. They should encourage us because we're living the life of Jesus Christ and suffering like he did. Godly men in the midst of such opposition will seek the Lord to follow his word. Right here in this same psalm, look at verse 51 of Psalm 119. Verse 51 tells us, The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. Verse 157. Verse 157 also tells us, Many are my persecutors and mine enemies, yet do I not decline from thy testimonies. So see, brethren, whatever opposition we face should not slow us down or hinder us at all. Their heart, verse 70, is fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Fat, in this sense, is used in other passages to point out the pride and arrogancy of man. There's other passages we could look at, but we won't. The godly man, contrary to that, is a humble man who delights in the law of the Lord. And he is willing to be instructed by it. Brethren, do you want to know the truest sign of humility and meekness that you can find in yourself or others? 
How willing are you to be corrected? How willing are you to be changed? Especially when it's from, thus saith the Lord. Now look at the thought pattern of David as he's gone through this. The next verse says, it, it, these aren't just isolated verses. This is a pattern he's been thinking about. We need to think these same thoughts. It is good for me, verse 71, that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. See, he observed, you know, that, oh, I, I went astray. But then God corrected me, and I went back to his word. Oh, there's the wicked. They don't follow the Lord's, but look, what's their end? Where are they going towards? Psalm 94, 12 through 13 says, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest the days of adversi- from the days of adversity, until the pit be digged for the wicked. You see, the wicked go on their way, but they don't realize that it's a dead end. It's a dead end with a pit at the end of it. 1 Corinthians 11.32, But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the wicked. What a contrast, brethren. Chastening versus condemnation. Finally, verse 72, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Now, you know, if David, the shepherd boy, you know, the young little, the eighth child of Jesse had said that, and that's all it was. I mean, we would look at that and say, well, that's a nice sentiment. But remember, David was one of the richest men in the world, was he not? By the end of his life. I mean, you look at what he contributed personally to the building of the, te- of the temple. He was a wealthy man. He knew what wealth was. He knew what riches were. And for him to say, the law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver, that should mean something to us. That should make an impact. He knew what wealth was. He knew how fleeting it was. He knew how unfulfilling it was. And he knew that the true treasure was in the God's word. Brethren, do we know that? Do we understand that? Do we live our lives the way David did? So that we crave for God's word. We delight in His Word. We seek it. Because, brethren, that's where we will meet Jesus Christ. We won't meet Him in our own hearts, naturally speaking. Because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We won't meet Him in the world out around us. Because they hate Him. Remember what we said back in Ephesians 2, about verse 2? We were led by the the prince of the power of the air. He, has, he doesn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ. It's only in this book that we will find Jesus Christ. So brethren, let's let our desire, let's let our efforts be focused in this book that we might learn the Lord Jesus Christ. That we might love Him, love Him, and follow Him the way He dictates to us. May Jesus Christ be magnified.